Sorry, open your Bible, Philippians chapter number 3, verses beginning in verse 13, uh, reading 13, and uh, in fact, let's start in 12, Philippians chapter 3, verse 12 through 14. I want to go ahead and tell you that I will not finish this sermon, and some of you are going to say, you can praise God for that, because it would be very long if I finished this sermon. Uh, I've been announcing a series, but I want to explain to you and I think we know this, everything is subject to the Holy Spirit. Everything is subject to the Holy Spirit. I have a friend of mine, and he's a good guy, uh, a good pastor. He, his sermons are playing like weeks and weeks and weeks. I mean, he'll like have his whole sermon written like weeks and weeks and weeks in advance. I can't float that way. I have to, I have to get a hot word in my heart from the Lord. We're going to be in the month of January here, not starting this morning. I was going to start this morning, but there again... Everything is subject to the Holy Spirit. If I walk in here and I've written nine pages of notes and the Holy Spirit puts another verse on my heart, I don't have one note, I'm going with what the Holy Spirit says. We are going to be a Spirit-filled church in practice. want to be led by the Spirit. And so I've been talking about this series I'm planning. I actually have about five sermons to preach in the series on rediscovering the church. But as I was trying to get away from a sermon, the Lord kept bringing me back to a sermon. And I'm only going to be able to do the first part of it, but I feel a peace in my heart that this is the word of the Lord for this congregation. This is the word of the Lord for Trinity Life Church. And it's found on this first Sunday, 2019. Now, many of you in this room have served the Lord a very long time, much longer than I have. But I've served the Lord a long time. I've never gone back on my relationship with God. I've never let up. Has I been perfect? Well, of course not. Only one perfect one, and he's in heaven. But I can remember in 1984 sitting in a meeting on a Christmas Eve. And there was a group there, and we were having a little prayer night. And I remember saying to the kids that were there, it just dawned on me. I said, in 16 years, it's going to be the year 2000. And I was serving the Lord with all of my heart. And look at us now. 2019. The Lord has not come yet. He is coming, though. He's coming. It's time for the church to awaken it's time for this church. The Lord's given me some promises, even this morning. I mean, I'm just, I, I, there's something in me. There is a fire burning in me. I feel like, uh, you know, you know when, you, when you get 53, I just turned 53. I know you didn't think I was 53. Please tell me you didn't think I was 53. <laughs> you thought I was 33. In my spirit, I feel 19. And I'm telling you the truth. I feel more comfortable with teenagers sometimes, or not teenagers, but young adults. Teenagers, I'm not going there, but, you know, I feel young at heart. I feel faith in my life. I feel hope and vitality, and I feel dreams are in my spirit. It's time for the church to arise. I'm hungry. Are you hungry? You know, when, some, when one of our kids gets sick, First thing happens, they lose their appetite. When a Christian church gets sick, they lose their appetite. 
They'd rather sit home and watch some old stupid ball game than they were they would to open the holy word of God. I'm hungry. Are you hungry? I'm hungry for, I've been in revival. I've been in two significant revivals in my lifetime. Two. Two genuine moves of God. Not something planned, but, but when the soil gets right, when, the, when everything gets in place, I believe that in one sense, only God can send a revival. But in another sense, when God's people get their hearts right, and when we start doing those things that please God in obedience to Him, revival will fall. It will fall every time. Things will begin to happen in mighty moves of God. I've been in those moves of God. I can, remember, I can remember a season of a church I pastored that every service we came together. I mean, Sunday morning, Sunday evening, Wednesday evening, every time we'd run together, there was such a hunger within the congregation. The Spirit of God would move. There was, it was like this morning where you could feel people. I could feel you pressing in. I could feel you not just singing. You were worshiping. You were praising God. You were pressing in. I could feel your heart. I believe that God could feel your heart. And I'm hungry. I'm hungry for God. But there's a word. It's not a long word this morning, but it's a word from the Holy Spirit. And Paul gives it to us. It's an important principle that Paul gives. And it's found here in Philippians 3, beginning your verse 12. Not that I've already attained or am already perfected, but I press on that I may lay hold of that for which Christ Jesus has laid hold of me. Now focus on verse 13. I want you to memorize this verse. You should be about, you can memorize verses, by the way. The Lord has used me to help many people to, to love, fall in love with the Bible. There's people that I'm looking into your faces that you've come to me and you said, Pastor Charles, I never read the Bible through, but I remember in that service, you challenged me to love the Bible and read it. And I remember one gentleman came to me at the end of, of a year, and he handed me his Bible program that, that he had checked off in his Bible, and he said, here it is. We've done it. And him and his wife read the Bible together. Had another gentleman say the same thing. We need to love the Word of God. Trinity Life Church is going to be a church of the Word of God. And I want to do something Wednesday evening. By the way, we do have service here on Wednesday evening. Your church is open on Wednesday evening. We're in a series in Corinthians. I don't know how long we'll be there. We'll get over in that gifts of the Spirit part a little later. I'm, I'm still in 1 Corinthians chapter 5. Here's what I'm going to do Wednesday evening. This week, I want you to go home and read 1 Corinthians chapter 5. It is a very challenging passage. I'm going to start my message with asking you as a congregation, what do you see in 1 Corinthians chapter 5? In your study and in your reading, what did you get out of that chapter? What do you see God saying to the church here? And I'm going to give you a chance, anyone, maybe, maybe you want to speak, maybe you want, and then I'm going to teach on a portion of that chapter. I've already done one sermon. I've actually preached 13 sermons out of 1 Corinthians chapter, or 1 Corinthians, the book. And we're to chapter 5. And I'm not, I'm not, I'm preaching pretty broadly. I know one pastor that preached like 16 years out of Romans. I don't know how you could do that. But anyway, those people, anyway, so I won't go there. But, but my, my point is, we need to love the Word of God. 
I told somebody this morning, I have a group of men that I gather for coffee on Sunday morning and we study the Bible together. We're studying through Proverbs. And so we drink coffee and we take a chapter and we may get through for a chapter, we may not. And uh, I'd love to have any of you men join us, but uh, here's the deal. I told these men this morning, when I was just a young man, I was 19. Uh, well, let me back up and tell you this. I'm, I'm going to get to this passage because it's not a long sermon, but it's something that we need to act on. We're going to have to give an account as a church because how many of you are saved today? You're really saved. There's many churches today that have lots of lost people in them. They're just church members. They're not born again. I can tell you, churches across our land are full of people that are not saved. You say, how do you know? Look at the fruit. Look at the fruit. They still have the heart of stone. They don't have the heart of flesh. When you have the heart of flesh... That heart of flesh that the Holy Spirit will transform loves the worship of God, loves the church, loves the prayer meeting, loves the preaching of the Word of God. Well, if you're saved, that's a wonderful thing. That's the most important thing in 2019. Are you saved? If not, you're going to go to hell if you don't repent and get rid of your sin and come to the cross of Christ. You'll die lost. I tell you, you can make fun, you can, you can mock it preaching like that, but I'm telling you, Hell is filled with people. Hell is filled with people who thought they were going to have one more chance. You need to buy up every single moment. And we need to win souls this year. We need to invite people to these services. We need to say it's not just the ministers who are going to be winning souls. Everyone can win souls. We need to fill this church up two or three times, and we're going to build a building right next to this building in the name of Jesus. What we're doing in this church, hear me, what we're doing today is not for us. What we're doing is for 30 years from now, there's going to be a young man pastoring this church, and he's going to look back and say, thank God that they held true and they wouldn't give up. Look what God's doing now. Look at the multitudes that are being saved. See, some people get to get the harvest. Some people plow the soil. Some people plant the seed, but we all rejoice together in the work of God. But we're going to have to give an account in this generation. You say, who are we going to give account to? We're going to go to heaven and we're going to talk to people that are from the first and second century. And let me tell you this. You know, the, come on, the word of God is precious. Come on, the word of God is precious. Now look at this here. It, it, somebody in the first century didn't have that much of the word of God. They didn't have a sliver of the word of God. They didn't have that much of the Word of God. They didn't have that much of the Word of God. Hold your Bible up today. If you have a Bible with you, hold your Bible up. Look at this. Look how much Bible we have. Look at that. Look at that big Bible right there. Come on, Brother Chris, hold your Bible up. He just brand new Bible. He, he was bragging on his Bible. He said, Pastor, I got a brand new Bible. I got excited and didn't, we, got, we stopped, started service late. Love the Word of God. We have the Word of God this year, we need to commit ourselves to learning the Word of God, to teaching the Word of God, to reading the Bible as a family at home. Read it through as a family. You could read it through five, ten minutes a day, and you could read through the Bible in a year as a family. It's not hard. We're going to do it. We're going to love God. But I remember this as a young man on my day off, because when I got saved, I got the heart of flesh. I got the new heart. Perfect heart? 
perfect toward God. I was righteous, still, you know, growing. I'm not saying that. I'm saying the lights turned on. I came away. How I many you know when we get saved, we come out of the grave? Come on. We come, when you, I mean, when somebody's out of the grave, they're alive. There's life. There's vitality. There's kingdom life. And I remember how that it's like a light switch turned on to me. You say, what was that switch? It was a love for the word of God. From the moment I got saved, I loved the Bible. And I would read the Bible. And I would pour over the word of God. When I first got saved, my mom and dad, Catholic, we didn't read the Bible. We didn't read the Bible at church. We went through the mass, you know. And I started reading the Bible. And I would sit in my room for hours as a young man and just pour over the pages of the Word of God. And my mom and dad came in one time. They weren't even saved. They sat on my bed. They never came in and talked to me much at all. I think they thought I had lost it. No, friend, I found it. Not it. I found him. Come on, amen. And the lights came on. And I got rid of the sin business. Didn't want to sin anymore. I mean, that's a sign you're a Christian. Sin, when you do sin, it grieves your heart when you fail the Lord. Lost people don't feel that. They like it. I don't like it, do you? We need to hate sin. Why? Because that cup that we gave that had, the, that had the juice in it, which represents the blood, that's what our sin did to Jesus. That's what my sin, not just our sin, the world's sin. My sin put Jesus on the cross. You say, do you believe that Christians should be sinless? No, but I believe Christians should sin less. We ought to be striving this year. You read that? And you got into my introduction yet, but I'm giving you my story because the Lord wants me to give it to you. He said, I haven't attained yet. I haven't attained yet. But I'm telling you, there's a fire in this young man. Are you hearing me? There's a fire in this young man. 35. I'm 35. There's a fire in this young man. I'm hungry for God. I'm hungry for God. I want nothing but God. I want the Holy Spirit. I want the miracles of God. I want the signs and wonders. I want the lost to be found. I want drug addicts to be delivered. I want alcoholics to be set free. I want people to come in in darkness, but I want them to leave with the light of Jesus in their soul. You, we're destined. There's prophecies over us. We're going to see the salvation of the Lord on this place. You got to believe it. You got to get on the train. You got to stop dragging your feet. Let's get in 100%. Let's get ahead. Let's run this race with excellence in Jesus' name. But as a young man, my mom and dad came in. They would look at me and they, they asked, What are you doing? I said, I'm reading the Bible. I remember that. It's like 19. 82, I'm sitting in my bedroom at 1937 Kingsbury Drive, Montgomery, Alabama, and God has got a hold of my soul. And I'm reading my Bible, and you know who it was? It was a little Thompson chain Bible, one of the little bitty ones with the little bitty print. Now, I can tell you, things will be a-changing when you get 50 or so. I'm 35, that's right. You listen well, brother. God bless you. Hallelujah. <laughs> I heard somebody say that in heaven, we're all going to be about 30 or so years old, 30, 33. But I don't know that that Bible doesn't say that, but I'll go with it. Why not? Amen. But listen, that little bitty Thompson chain Bible that I had, and I actually ruined the thing. I ruined it. You know, I say, how'd you do that? I always loved sports. 
And so uh, I played all kinds of sports, excelled in sports. It just was a fun thing for me. I just had athletic ability. I could run and punt and whatever. But I was out at football, and I left my Bible at the edge of the building. And in Alabama, it rains about every other day in the summer. And it, it rained on that Bible. I was so brokenhearted. My little old, uh, my little old maroon top chain Bible puffed up like a big old toad frog. That, you, know, the, you know how that thing does? It puffed up. It like, I, thought, uh, I felt like I had lost my best friend. Because, you know, that old Bible, and it ruined it. It ruined the thing. And that old Bible was a Bible that God confirmed my call to the ministry in that old Bible. God supernaturally spoke to me. Now, I can't explain this, and you can believe it or not believe it. I could care less what you believe. But I'm going to tell you this. Acts 2.39, the promise is unto you and to your children, as many as the Lord our God will, to as many as the Lord, to many as are far off, and as many as the Lord our God will, say, say this, call. I was in the back seat of a car driving down, well, somebody was driving, I was in the back seat of the car driving, that would be, that would be a little weird. I was riding in a car in the, Anyway, you understand. You got the interpretation. That would be weird, backseat driving. So, uh, but I was riding from a ministry opportunity in a prison, uh, a, a boys' uh, home detention. We were ministering there, and the Spirit of God filled me in that back seat. I don't know if you've ever, and I know you have, have you ever had an encounter with God where it's just supernatural? I'm telling you, it's coming. We're, we're going be, to begin to experience supernatural encounters with God more and more. I'm telling you, there's coming an anointing on this church that you cannot even imagine in your own mind. If you could just imagine what God was going to do, it would just make you want to run around this building and shout. The anointing of the Spirit of God is going to so fall in these services that it's going to change us and it's going to change lives. But I was in the backseat of that car. And... Uh, I was struggling as a young man because I didn't even know anyone called of God. I didn't, and I felt as I would get along with God, God would say to me, and I, I realized it was clear then. It wasn't so clear to me then, but it's clear now, rather, because you know, I, I struggled with my own carnal mind and my own reasoning. I wrestled with God. God said, I called you to preach. You're going to do it. And I'd, I'd go to church and I'd see the minister preaching. And in my heart, what the Lord would say is, that's what you're going to do the rest of your life. I didn't even all I knew was a priest. I didn't know I didn't know anything but the Catholic Church. I knew nothing about the Bible. I didn't know where Malachi was from Habakkuk. If somebody would have said to me, "Turn to the book of Hezekiah," I'd have been searching for it. You know, I just didn't know. And I said, I kept I kept telling God this. You know, you got to be careful what you tell God. I said, God, you, I can't be called of God. I can't do that. I'm not doing that. I can't do that. I'm a shy person. I can't do that. And I wrestled with God. And I wrestled with God. And I was so ashamed to even tell anyone because I was so in unbelief that God could use me that I wouldn't even tell my mom. I wouldn't tell my dad. I wouldn't tell my cousin I wouldn't that he was going to church with me. I wouldn't tell anyone that, that God, I feel like God has called me to the ministry. God has called me to preach his gospel. And I can only explain it this way. We left that ministry time in that youth detention. We were driving down Atlanta Highway in Montgomery, Alabama. I can tell you almost where I was, passing Arrowhead, the neighborhood called Arrowhead Neighborhood. It was called Arrowhead. 
We were on Atlanta Highway, the old highway that went to Atlanta, Georgia, from Montgomery. And I was between that Arrowhead neighborhood and, and where the mall, the new mall was, and there's a rock quarry within there, somewhere right in there. And I can remember there's a train track. And I was in the backseat of that car, and I opened up that little Bible, that little Thompson chain Bible, as I was praying back there by myself. And I, I don't know that I'd ever read that verse. And I opened, that, I opened that little red Bible, that little maroon Bible, to Acts chapter 2 and verse 39. And I just, my eyes set upon that. And as I began to read, the promise is unto you and to your children and to as many as are far off, to many as the Lord our God. And I came to that word, as many as the Lord, and I came to that word, call. And it was like 4th of July in my spirit. It was like the fireworks went off in my spirit. The Spirit of God fell all over me. The Spirit of God filled me with, I would call it, supernatural assurance. And from that moment, from that moment, it was like that call right there. It was a call. <laughs> and, and from that moment, I can tell you this, from that moment, there has been no shred of doubt in my mind of the call of God. And I'm telling you, he's called you and I. He's called you. You have a call upon your life. Hear this pastor today. Hear this man of God today. You are called to help build this church. You have a definite, specific call and gifts of the Holy Spirit that we cannot do without. We cannot do without. You say, well, they don't need me. Okay, well, go home and do this. Go home and get some big old scissors and just whack off your pinky. See how bad that hurts. See how much you need that part of the body. You cannot even imagine in your mind how much you are needed. The body of Christ needs to come together, fitly joined together, and we're going to see the work of God and the glory of God on this property right here in the name of Jesus. Do you have all the answers? Absolutely not. I have something better. I have God. I have the living God. I have the living Lord. I have the all-wise God. I have unchanging truth in the Word of God. I have the Holy Spirit who said He would lead us and guide us into all truth. I have the God who said, if you'll trust me and lean not to your own understanding, I shall make your path straight. God is going to lead us into His blessing. We've got to trust Him. We have to trust him. This love for the word of God. Don't know why I'm saying that. But we need a love for the word of God. It's one of the first signs of spiritual declension. It's one of the first signs of spiritual sickness. It's one of the first signs of backsliding. When we lose the wonder and love for the word of God. When we're going throughout our day for a normal, normal, healthy Christian, when we're going throughout our day, you may be hammering, Brother Scott, you may be hammering on those the, the body work. Kevin, you may be in that surgery. Brandon, you may be doing that work. JR, you may be doing that retirement. <laughs> Come on, high five, brother. <laughs> and you're locked into something you have to do. 
But in a normal, healthy Christian, there's a pool. Oh, I just wish I had a moment alone with God. I wish I had just 30 minutes just to pour over the pages of his word. That's a normal feeling for a a child of God that's right with God, that's full of the Holy Spirit. That's normal because Christianity is love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, your strength. Love your neighbor as yourself. Loving God. What do we do, Pastor? What do we do in the beginning of 2019? There's one word here that I want to give you. There's actually two words, but I won't get to the second one, and the first one's going to be very brief. Philippians 3, 13 is the word forgetting. And there's another word in there, but I'm not going to get to it. It's the word reaching, forgetting, and reaching. When the apostle Paul was once a great adversary to the church, He was a man of zeal, but it was a zeal to destroy the church. He was an evil person. But God can take evil people and make them good people if they will repent. The moment Paul got saved when he met Jesus on the Damascus Road, the moment he got saved when he said, Who are you, Lord? Acts 9. Who are you, Lord? The Lord had smitten him down. Struck him down on the Damascus Road. He was going to destroy the church in Damascus. Who are you, Lord? I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. At that moment, there was a supernatural change, and the great persecutor of the church became the great apostle of the church. He spent the remainder of this life, and his zeal, we see it written in written form here, The Holy Spirit wrote it down for us. This zeal to know God. This zeal to build the church. And that's what Paul did the rest of his life. He did two things. One is he sought to know God more every day. And to to have a more deep or closer intimate relationship with God. And he sought to build the church and strengthen the church. Zeal. Now, uh, T.R. Roosevelt, you know who that is. President, President Roosevelt, quite a, quite a character. When he was a little boy, he went to church in New York. At a, I think the church was called Trinity Church, I think, if I'm not mistaken. And uh, his, he came to a point in his life where he was terrified to go to the church. T.R. Roosevelt. And his mother could not figure out why he was so afraid to go to church. He would not dare step in there by himself. And his mother said, son, what is wrong? And she, under after investigation, his mother, Mitty, found out that, it was, that he, he was afraid of something called zeal. Zeal. And she said, well, what, what do you mean? He said, I heard, the, I heard the minister talk about it. And, and he said, he had imagined, he said, well, wh- what do you think it is? It's a monster. It's an alligator. It's going to get me. And she was trying to figure out. So she said, well, let's go to the Bible. So she went and got a concordance. And she began to find the scriptures in the New Testament that had to do with zeal. And she just began to read them to Mr. Roosevelt as a little boy. And she came to John chapter 2, verse 17. And it read like this. The zeal of my house has eaten me up. 
He said, that's it, that's it, that's it. He thought, it, he thought <laughs> that's a true story. Can you believe that? He thought, he imagined that there would be zeal in the house of God. Well, I can tell you this, many churches across our land, you'll never find any zeal like that. Jesus said, zeal for my house has eaten me up. We need a little zeal. Here's my one-point sermon. Forgetting. Everyone say that, forgetting. Paul said this, forgetting those things which are behind. And then he goes on to talk about the reaching. There's some things that we need to forget. Paul said it. The Holy Spirit really said it. There's some things that we need to forget. Some of you need to hear this this morning. Some of you are secretly fighting a battle that no one knows about. You fight it week after week, month after month, year after year. You fight a battle. It's a secret battle. You haven't told your husband. You haven't told your wife. But you fight a battle. What battle is it? Here's what we need to forget. We need to forget personal sins, guilt, and shame, which has been confessed, repented of, and forgiven by our God. Did you hear what I just said? We need to forget personal failure, personal sins, personal transgressions that have been repented, confessed, repented, and forgiven by our God. If anyone needed this, Paul did. He said, what did he say? I am the chief of sinners. He, I think he believed that. Because he had a revelation. What was the revelation? His revelation was the revelation of the New Testament and the revelation of the church. The revelation of the new covenant. The revelation that, 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 that God would build this body called the body of Christ, the church. His revelations were greater than any of the apostles. Greater than anyone in the history of the world, past or present, or ever will be. God chose to give the apostle Paul... 14 or so books of the New Testament and gave him revelations that were so great that God had to God had to allow a thorn in the flesh to keep him humble because of the greatness of the revelation that God gave him. And I think why Paul called that wasn't listen, it wasn't false humility. You felt and heard false humility. You know, somebody get up and false humility. That Paul's heart, he said he was the chief of sinners. And I believe he really meant it. Why? Because he harmed that which is most precious to God, which is his beloved church, his blood-bought church, which he shed his blood for, which he raised for, which he lives for, which he is the head of. And the apostle Paul spent a large part of the first part of his life destroying people, destroying Christians, dragging them out of houses. Uh, children didn't have fathers and wives didn't have husbands because of Paul. You're talking about shame. You're talking about guilt. 
Paul having to go after he became the apostle and later look into the faces and maybe someone come up to him after some service or some meeting and meet him in the front and go, hey, you know what? You're the one that killed my husband. You're the one instrumental in destroying our family. You talking about shame? You talk about guilt? You talk about sin that you could hard to get over? But hear this today. Are you listening? All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Here's the power. The power of the blood of Jesus Christ. There's power in this gospel. There's power. See, there's people today, I believe, now hear this, track with me here. I believe that many, many of the problems that people have in our world today, that they pack up on drugs and are, are, are nothing more than the results of sin. Sin has an effect on us. But there's only one answer. You hear me? Not in a pill bottle. Not in, not in an alcohol bottle. Not in some immoral relationship. The answer is Jesus. Everybody say that name, Jesus. Apostle, think about this. The Apostle Paul said these words, forgetting. The Word of God says that if we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. We need to forget sins that have been confessed, repented, and forgiven by God. We need to stop allowing the devil to drag up things in your past. Some of you have secret battles. I'm telling you, God would not have given this to me if there wasn't internal battles that you've never told anyone about. And there's guilt there, and there's shame there. And the Lord wants me to say to you today that you are cleansed and you are forgiven. If you have confessed it, repented, and received God's forgiveness, stop allowing the devil to drag up an old file. He said this, I've taken your sins and put them down in the sea to be remembered no more in Jesus name see yourself as God sees you you are his beloved child you are forgiven God's not hanging some past guilt over your over your head he loves you stop allowing the devil to do that to you forget it and let it go are you hearing me today let it go in Jesus name now I'll close with this I really have a lot to say. I wish we lived in 1850 where they preached an hour and a half. Oh, and you think I'm kidding you. I heard one minute, I was reading after one minister, and he said, oh, I've been very, he said, I've been very sick. And he said, I, I, I've been, I wasn't able to attend the services and minister. Uh, but he said, but, uh, but I, I came back the next Sunday, and he said, the Lord gave me the strength to preach my normal hour and a half. That's what he said in the book. I thought, hallelujah. Take me away. 
There was a day in the church early where Paul would preach all night. Now, I realize that one of the guys died in one of those meetings, so you got to be a little careful there, you know. But we don't have any lofts either, do we? Come on, amen. <laughs> Forgetting. There's power in a sincere heart of confession before God. Last night at prayer meeting, someone confessed something to me. Now, I think you confess to God, but I think there are times when the Bible tells us to confess to one another. And as soon as they confessed this, it was like I had a peace in my spirit that this person was doing the right thing. They were, they were getting ready. They were washing in the blood. They were confessing their sin before God. Tori, if you would come to the piano, please. The enemy will torment us with some past failure, some past sin. Maybe it's a secret sin. But I'm telling you the power of the blood today to wash our sins away. So here's what I want to close with. Now remember, I want you to read 1 Corinthians 5. We're going to start the sermon Wednesday evening, the teaching on what did you see God saying there. We'll go as long as you want to talk, and then I'll, I'll teach you a little bit on the text. Apostle Peter was a man greatly used by the Lord. He was the one who stood up on the day of Pentecost and preached. Preached out of Joel, is his text. In the last days, God will pour out his spirit. Sons and daughters shall prophesy, your old men will dream dreams, your young men will see visions. In those days, I'll pour out my spirit. Peter followed the Lord. He left everything. Great, great personal cost. Reading one text in the New Testament, he said, Lord, we left everything. And the Lord in the, right after that said, I'm going to bless you. No sacrifice goes unnoticed. Peter laid hand, hands on the sick, cast out demons. He was very zealous and protective of the Lord. He would love the Lord. You hear that? He loved God. I mean, he was like, don't mess with my Jesus. Give me that sword. I'm going to cut somebody's ear off. He was aiming for the head. Are you kidding me? He wasn't aiming for the ear. Don't mess with Jesus. That's my Lord. But think how he felt. After he saw, see, the enemy knows how to get us in a state, doesn't he? He, he knows how to hit us in a weak moment. He's a, he's a devil. I just want to say bad things about him because he's just the devil. And then Peter sees all that happens in the garden. And then he goes to the high priest, Caiaphas, Caiaphas's house, which we were, we were there. And the lady says, the little girl says, little handmaiden says, surely you know him. I don't know him. Denied the Lord. Denied him. Can you imagine denying the Lord? Second time, the little girl says, surely you're with him. Your Galilean accent. I mean, he must have been from southern Galilee, you know what I'm saying? He was a southerner. He's actually north of there, but anyway. But denied him. 
three times denied the Lord. Here's what it says. He went out and wept bitterly. See, Peter loved the Lord, but he failed the Lord. He denied the Lord. And then later on in John, we read that Peter says, you know, let's just go fishing. He just kind of, I bet he thought, maybe the Lord doesn't have anything for me. Maybe he's done using me. You know what I'm saying? But then the Lord showed up on the seashore in Galilee. Little children, have you caught anything? No, we haven't. Why don't you cast the net on the other side? All of a sudden, they pulled in a haul. And Jesus, Peter said, I know who that is. <laughs> he just jumped out of the boat. Impetuous Peter, he just jumped out of the boat. And you, know, and, and you probably think, you know, I wonder what Peter was thinking. What's the Lord going to say to me? You know, I, I want to be close to him again. I feel like I've disappointed him and all this. And then they're sitting there around the fire. And the Lord has a way of using both sides of the sword, doesn't he? One side heals, one side cuts. And the Lord cut a little bit on Peter, had to deal with it. He said, Peter, do you love me more than these? Because, see, he had bragged. If all these guys deny you, I'm your super apostle. I'll never deny you. Be careful how you brag. Be careful. Hear this. No boasting. Are you hearing me? No boasting. Our boast is in the Lord alone. Do you love me, Peter? Do you love me more than this? Lord, you know I love you. Feed my sheep. That means I have a work for you to do. How many times did Peter deny him? Second time Jesus said, Peter, do you love me more than these? Lord, you know I love you. A second time. Ten, my lambs. A little later, Peter, do you love me more than these? And now Peter's broken. You know, Lord, you know all things, Lord Jesus. You know that I love you. Feed my sheep. See, Peter was already forgiven. He had already wept before God. God forgave him, reinstated him. And you read on, it says, there's going to be a day when they carry you where you don't want to go. You're going to suffer for me. And then the last part of that, follow me, follow me, follow me. I want you to stand with me this morning. Thank you for being patient. Let's bow our heads quickly. Let's bow our heads. Father God, we, we hear your word today. We feel your spirit today. We sense, oh God, what you're doing today. Real quickly, very quickly, heads are bowed. Just if you could be still. Pastor, this message spoke to me. There's some things that I need to do what Paul did. There's some things that today I'm going to forget. I'm going to put them under the blood. They're going to be gone forever in Jesus' name. Let me see your hand right now. That spoke to my heart. I see you here and here. Others here and here. Slip a hand up here. I see others. I see you in the back. God bless you. Others. God bless you here. Pastor, there's some things I'm for, today I'm going to do what the Holy Spirit says, forgetting the things which are behind me. I'm going to forget those things, past sins committed, forgiven, confessed, gone, forgiven by God, yet we hold on to them, but I'm forgetting them today. I'm clean, and I'm going to do God's work. Let me see your hand if that's you. I need to forget. God bless you here and here 
and here. This is you and God. I see your hands here also. Many hands. I'm going to let this be between you and God, but I'm going to pray for you. Pray with me. Father, you see every hand that, is, that was raised. You see every person. You see, Lord, you see their heart. They want to serve you. They love you, but they've stumbled along the way, which we all have. But, Lord, today I thank you for the blood of Jesus. We've confessed all of our sins to you. We've turned. We've turned from sin. We've asked you for forgiveness. And because of your holy, unfailing character, you have forgiven us. Now I pray that every person that raised their hand, that you would wash their mind right now and that you would put a shield, put the helmet of salvation on their mind to not allow the enemy to torment, to not allow the enemy to drag up some past mistake or some past sin because the blood of Jesus Christ washes away our sin. If you've confessed, repented, and gotten forgiveness, all, well, let's just all do this. Let's lift our hands and thank our Father for forgiveness right now. Come on, begin to rejoice in your salvation. Begin to rejoice that you're fully accepted in the sight of God. You're fully accepted through Christ and his righteousness. Thank you, Lord, that I'm a child of God, that we're the blood-bought children of God. We're forgiven. We're justified today. Hallelujah. We rejoice in our salvation. Glory to God. We rejoice in your mercies today. We rejoice in your grace today. We confess the cross. We boast in the cross. whom We've been crucified to the world, and the world's been crucified to us. That old person is gone. That old person is dead now. And now this new person in Christ is here because we've been born again. Oh, hallelujah. Hallelujah to the Lamb. Glory to God. Glory to God. What I want you to do this week, I want you to rejoice. Rejoice in God's mercy. Rejoice in God's mercy. One of the most astounding things is the mercy of God. I mean, I tell you, I, I, you and I are glad we're not God because we, we, there's some folks we wouldn't give no mercy, right? Come on, let's be honest. There's some folks in the Bible, Manasseh, I would have never given any mercy. He killed children. He destroyed the people of God, destroyed the prophets taken off into captivity, cried out to God in mercy after all the evil he'd done, and God had mercy on him, put him back on the throne. Aren't you glad God's merciful? Glory to God. He doesn't hold our sins against us. You know what he did? He put it on Jesus. He put it on our Lord. So today, walk in full forgiveness. Have your, when you pray, pray to God boldly because there's nothing in the way now. You're free. And whom the sun sets free is free indeed. Glory to God. Oh, Father, today, thank you for this service. Lord, I wish we could go on and on, but I understand. I just pray a special grace on this fellowship. Father, I pray an anointing like we've never, let us pray for that anointing. Let us walk in that victory. Feel this church, every person is so valuable. And Lord, we're going to grow and grow and grow, and it's going to even astound us. And Lord, I thank you for those miracles that are coming our way. I thank you for those mountains that are already moving. I thank you for those seas that are already parting. 
And so, Lord, I pray over your people as we conclude and dismiss this service of worship. I pray that this week would be a week when we just go all week, Father, and we just rejoice in your full forgiveness. You don't put us on probation. You don't put us on probation. Oh, I'll forgive you, but I'm going to watch you. No, full forgiveness, completely washed, completely clean. We're clean. And now by the power of your Holy Spirit, you enable us to stay clean so we can have fellowship with you. Now, church, may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine upon you. May the Lord be gracious to you. May the Lord lift up his countenance on you. And may he give you peace. And we ask it in that most noble name of Jesus. And everyone who believes it says, Amen.